Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Good morning and welcome to NJSBA's podcast program, Conversations on New Jersey Education. Today's uh, program uh, will be dealing with uh, the Common Core. Uh, I just, um, if you want to participate in the program, please just um, please just uh, uh, dial one three four seven nine eight nine eight nine zero four. Or you can just uh, enter our chat room. Just remember, if you enter the chat room, that you have to um, uh, log on with Blog Talk Radio. Today's program, as I said before, we'll be dealing with uh, the Department of Ed. Uh, re-looking at the Common Core. If you remember, in May, Governor Christie uh, directed the Department of Education to relook at the Common Core. Uh, and with us today is Kimberly Harrington, who is with the Chief Academic Officer with the New Jersey Department of Education. Welcome, Kimberly. Thanks, Ray. Good morning. Um, let's get uh, right to this. Um, looking at standards is not, actually not anything new. We've had standards a long time in New Jersey. We do periodically look at them. Is there anything different about this time? Um, it's, there's not, right? We we typically review standards here in New Jersey on a regular cycle. Um, that cycle takes place every five years. However, it's not uncommon um, need-based if we feel that there's a time where we need to look at or review standards um, because we feel like there may be changes that need to take place um, that, you know, we are able to step out of the cycle. Uh, what's the department's charge? when looking at the Common Core this time, or, or the, uh, the standards in general? Um, our charge was to review the standards to really and to in heavily involve educators and parents and community members to really ensure that we do, in fact, have the highest possible standards we can offer for New Jersey students to ensure their success um, post-secondary education. And you're looking at, uh, what subjects are you looking at? So we're looking at all of our New Jersey state standards fall under the umbrella of the New Jersey core curriculum content standards, but we're specifically being charged to look at the English language arts and mathematics standards. Um, and that being said, though, under the English language arts standards, there is a correlation to the science and social studies and technical subject standards where literacy is concerned. So um, in this review process, we'll be involving those content area educators as well, and I'll speak to that later in our interview. Um. I know uh, I know that the other subjects, does the Department of Ed look at those standards on a rotating basis of some sort? We do. It would be really overwhelming and probably not conducive to the work to review all standards at the same time, not only for um, the integrity of the work, but also in consideration for the educators in the field who are looking at um, how they realign their curricula because in New Jersey, um, the state decides the standards, but the local school districts develop their own curriculum. And um, if we reviewed all subject areas at one time, that would be a tremendous amount of work. Um, curriculum and standards are both living and breathing, meaning that they're um, able to be ever-changing as well as revisited to ensure that um, their purpose is being served. Now, I saw when you presented uh, the proposal to the State Board of Education, uh, you had four principles. Let's go over those principles. Okay. Well, the first one was consistency. What, what do you right. mean by that? Right, and consistency means that um, we're going to be consistent with our regular standards review process, so we do that regular cycle, um, and then 
what we will be doing is when we go through the cycle, we typically bring in content experts um, for that area and educators, and we look at the standards themselves that are currently being used, what's working, what's not, where are there opportunities for change, um, where are there opportunities to celebrate good work, and then continuing to move through our, our typical process. So this will not be run any different than we would normally run our standards review process, just a little bit shorter timeline. Um, there's a, you, you do have a timeline, but at the end of that process, the normal process is the state board then, the state board the of state education board. will review it themselves. Absolutely, and that will continue. So, um, you know, as we work through this process uh, with the new standards review, the, the final um, standard proposal will be given to the state board at the January state board meeting, but then the state board will begin their normal review process um, for approval. All right. Uh, your second principle is focus on standards. What do you mean? That means by that? that we're going to co focus on the current standards. Um, we are not, you know, planning to start from scratch. I know that's another one of our principles. Um, but just focusing on the standards and the specific um, needs of the students, but also the way that they play out in the classroom. And um, your third principle was improve what exists today rather than start from scratch. Yeah, it's not our intention to completely start over. It's our intention to take what we have, as I said before, in our normal review process um, and figure out how we can make it better. What are the areas we've been using these standards now for five years? Um, this process is going to heavily involve educators, especially teachers, those who have been um, using it most closely with students in their classrooms. So that we can find out, you know, where are the concern areas? Where do we need clarity? I think that's something that we may see, um, you know, just based on conversations over the years with educators, are that there are still some areas that are difficult to understand. What does this really look like instructionally in the classroom? So that's our intent. Um, just a little follow-up to that. Mm -hmm. um, so the Common Core state standards are there. So you're going to kind of look at those standards and see what actually is probably still pretty good. Exactly. Uh, and then where you can kind of improve for New Jersey, I guess, because mm -hmm. now uh, it would be New Jersey State. Correct. So there, um, prior to the Common Core being adopted as our standards um, under the umbrella of the Core Curriculum Content Standards, I know it's really confusing, but prior to that, we had um, our New Jersey-specific standards, which were already very high and rigorous standards. So another part of this process will be um, that our committees will be digging into those previous standards as well to say, were there standards that were omitted that perhaps we feel like were better standards for our New Jersey students that we want to add back in? So that will also be part of the process. Okay. So uh, if you're an educator out there, you're, I'll, nothing will change this year, but uh, it'll probably just, uh, I don't want to say a, a tinkering, it'll be a, a, an adjustment to what we already have. Yeah, so that's a great point because if you're an educator, you're probably wondering, or, or state, board, or um, sorry, board of education members, you're probably wondering what does this mean for us. And so um, what it means for you is definitely no change in this coming school year, um, and most likely um, not in the in the following. Although you know I don't have a crystal ball, so it won't be until I know the depth of the changes um, to ensure. I want to definitely ensure that we have a rollout plan that's conducive and allows. Um, people time to realign their curricula, to look at any instructional changes that might need to take place. Um, but for this year, absolutely, they should just be moving ahead with their, their normal standards and the curriculum and programs that they have in place in their own specific districts. Uh, and I know when the governor made the announcement, uh, one of the 
parts of his directive was that he wanted to have it, uh, a public input in this. Uh, and that was your fourth principle was public input. Uh, yeah. What does that mean to you? And so um, public input means a lot of things to me, but mostly it means that all voices are heard so that we're sure, ensure that all students are represented. And for me, one of the things that I feel like um, as a both a former educator and a parent is that sometimes when we involve public input, um, it's it can be late in the process and sometimes doesn't always take root in the process itself or inform the process. So one of the things that I've done in our um, review process is to stack heavily the front end of the process with those public um, input opportunities to ensure that the feedback, the input, um, the concerns that we hear from the public, that those are heard in a timely fashion so that they can really inform the work, both for um, our standards review committee and the subcommittees who are digging in on their rewriting. Um, and so I don't know if you want me to speak to those opportunities now or if you want to. Well, we'll get to that okay. in a few minutes. But uh, you are then, I just wanted to, I guess, repeat what you just said, is that you're looking that the public input, whether that's from the parents or an education committee, is earlier rather than later. Because it, from your perspective, it, it can be inputted into the process. Better. Correct. And I also want to clarify that that's not just parents and educator communities, but also the business community and just mm -hmm. regional communities here in New Jersey as a whole. Uh, and also wanted to just clarify that not only do I feel it's critical really strongly in the beginning so it informs the work, um, there also needs to be a touch point. I don't want the public to feel like, okay, we've asked for your input, now we're going to just move ahead and do what we're doing. So mid about midway through the review process, we'll also be posting a, the draft um, to get some comments back on as we begin to develop our first first iteration of these new standards. Now, uh, there's a, actually it's a pretty large number of committees involved in this. The major committee is a standard review committee, which is kind of overseeing it. Could you explain who comprises that? Sure. The standards review committee is really overseeing the work, um, and they'll be that will be the group that reviews research, looks at the surveying community data, makes final recommendations to the board, um, and the people who will be involved in that really represent all stakeholder groups. So we will have, um, you know, hopefully on the spot, I'm not leaving anyone out, but this presentation is actually on our website um, that I gave to the state board and all stakeholders are listed there, but it will be um, obviously superintendents, principals, curriculum directors, um, teachers, parents, business community leaders, board members, um, higher ed, um, making sure that we really round that out. And that standard review committee will be um, a nomination process. So if you're listening and you're interested, you should contact your association um, because they'll be uh, the, the folks who will be able to help you uh, with that nomination process. So, you know, please, we would love to have you involved and reach out, you know, whether you're a member of New Jersey School Boards Association or you're a member of the New Jersey Principal and Supervisors Association or maybe you're a member of the PTA um, or the uh, Chamber of Commerce, CSI, whatever it is, please reach out um, so that for that com one component, that's how that standard review committee will be selected. And how many people are on that committee? Uh, that committee is 23 members. Okay. And let me just follow I'm going to repeat what you said again because it is important. So that if someone, if you're a school board member, you probably need to contact New Jersey School Board Association. Not probably. You do have to contact New Jersey School Board Association. And if you're a superintendent ASA, uh, to express your interest, and they not they send in nominations. Correct. 
two. Okay. Uh, underneath that, uh, it seems like you have three committees that will be uh, focusing in on certain areas. Uh, tell us who those three committees are, and then we'll just uh, jump into jump that. Jump into it. Sure. So the subcommittees, um, when we review standards and we work on rewrites, we use educators and content specialists for that because they know the standards most deeply, they're utilizing them, and they have that expertise um, from their training and their certifications. So the three subcommittees will be, um, the first subcommittee is grades K through two, looking at both the English language arts and mathematics standards at those grade levels in early, early childhood. Then we'll have a um, subcommittee for grades 3 through 12 looking at English language arts, and that subcommittee will also be looking at the way literacy, the literacy standards go across science, social studies, and the technical subjects. And then lastly, we'll have um, a subcommittee that will be grades 3 through 12 looking at the mathematics standards. And as I said, those subcommittees will be largely comprised of educators and content experts, higher members of our higher eds who have that content area expertise, they will do the actual review and rewrite of the standards and then make those recommendations to the review committee um, for to get feedback and input as to the direction um, moving forward. And that particular, those three particular groups are an application process, which means anyone who meets the criteria um, can apply. And so um, I should have said in, when I was talking about the nomination process, both the nomination forms and the application forms will be available on our website. Um, we're hoping by the end of this week, um, and so please, you know, check there, and you're able to just fill out that application and forward it to us electronically. Um, and the criteria for each of those subcommittees will also be posted, along with um, sort of the requirements for in-person meetings and working on this independently, so that you really can know whether you're making, you can um, afford the time commitment, as um, it will be a lot within a short period of time. Uh, what was the thinking? You broke it up by K to K mm -hmm. through two, and then three through twelve by subject matter. What was the thinking on that, and why those grade levels? Yeah, that we actually put a lot of thought into that, and a lot of discussion, and we went several different places with it. Um, you know, originally we had it by grade bands, how students are primarily arranged in schools. Um, but then we have some concerns that there might be some gaps in communication and also ensuring that we reach sort of the finish line of where we are headed um, in ensuring that students are ready for their post-secondary choice, whether it's via a college pathway to begin with or going straight into a career pathway. Um, and so where we came in the discussion was that grades K through two really have some specific needs of their own in those very early childhood years. Um, where there are some differences happening. Obviously, there's differences throughout and what's happening in the development of a child, but K2 is uh, just needing a, a sort of a different focus. And then where we looked with grades 3 through 12, are those are really our sort of our testing years. Um, and if we break those years apart, we lose the vertical articulation, the ability from grade level to grade level to have conversations so that if we look at the end result of where we know we need to take children here in New Jersey to be successful, um, moving beyond the post-secondary years, we're able to back that and ensure um, as we move backward that each grade level is building upon the next and that so we do reach that place if we look across vertically. So um, our intent was to keep grades 3 through 12 together. Um, certainly they'll be breaking into sort of sub little groups within the working session so that they can dig into the standards at each particular grade level, but then we're also all in the same 
room working so that they're able to have those rich conversations to ensure that we're addressing any gaps. And that may be something that comes up in the review process to be fixed as well, is that we may find that there's sort of a hole um, that takes place between a grade level where we need to um, add in some additional standards or fill in that gap. I was uh, interested uh, when you uh, talked about the, the standards, you're working your way back mm -hmm. from 12. So, and this 3 through 12 is to keep that communication going. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, how many people are on each of those subcommittees? So the K, um, the K through 2 subcommittee has 23 members, and each of the grades 3 through 12 committees have 26 members each. So, so we have a total of 98 um, participants involved between the three subcommittees and the standards review committee. Now, well, the members of each of those subcommittees, and that's a lot of people involved and a lot of people to coordinate um, with tight timeframes. Uh, each of those subcommittees will make a recommendation that then the standards review committee will look at? Yes, and each of those subcommittees will actually have a member, one member of the subcommittee who will be the point person for that subcommittee that will sit on the standards review committee as well okay. to be able to have, again, those those cross conversations um, from the subcommittee to the standards review committee and we don't aren't playing telephone and losing things in translation. Um, probably the maybe the biggest, one of the biggest challenges I saw was the time frame that you're working with. Um, could you just give us a, some basic time frames? Sure. So the time frame we're working with is the time frame we have to work with um, because we need to have a final report by the end of December. Um, but I'm really, really committed to making this work uh, truly meaningful and um, valuable and authentic for the field. So although we're on a tight time frame, um, I'm really confident that we will have tremendous opportunities for discussion as well as the work. Um, the time frame is broken up roughly into two phases, um, and I would say there's sort of a pre-phase that's happening right now. And so the sort of the pre-phase is looking at, you know, immediately needing to get up the nomination and application forms um, and the criteria for that so we can get moving the second and getting the, the committee selected. Then the first phase, the real first phase of the work um, begins with those uh, public opportunities for input and then also looking at starting to dig in right away to what is current research show, um, what, what are we hearing from, um, you know, national content experts, um, what are, doing that crosswalk between our old standards and the standards we're currently using, um, starting to do some of that precursor work and moving into the um, beginnings of the rewrite phase. And that first phase will take place from basically about the middle of August until um, the end of October. And then the second phase will be beginning um, looking at, you know, again, a second round of public input based on the drafted standards. But um, about midway through the second phase, we should have some park data back. So being able to really dig into that data, because now with the new data coming back um, prior with our New Jersey ask, we weren't able to really break down to the, the standard or the cluster level. And now with the new data that comes back, we're actually going to be able to look at standards work specifically. So that should really help inform the work tremendously for the second phase because we'll be able to see if there are pockets 
you know, across the state, either where we did great and we know those are areas of strength for us or pockets maybe where there are problems and maybe we, if we haven't already begun to dig into those areas and the standards, that may really help us at that point. And that second phase of the work will take place from like mid, mid to end of October and finish up at the end of December so that we're ready for that first week of January presentation to the state board. So would the subcommittee do most of the work in phase one? Um, and a little bit after you get the park data. Yeah, the, well, the subcommittees will be working really hard continually all the way through the process. And then, you know, again, having those meetings with the standards review committee, and they'll sort of be working in tandem, although they'll somewhat be working separately. The standards review committee is working at a higher level, but as they gather information or they have additional research or things to share, they're looking and pulling through all the data that comes back from our surveys and things like that. They'll be pushing that down to the subcommittee with recommendations. So the subcommittee will sort of be that, you know, steady eddy, the train moving steadily along with the standards review committee as the engineer feeding in, you know, fuel and information as they go. Um, you talked about public input before. Now, obviously, you have a lot of people involved, but there's probably a lot of people who can't get involved, you right. know. How do they make their voices known? I know you have a couple ways that you're trying to get uh, information. Uh, there are three main things. Yeah, so, you know, that's a, such a good point, right? Because one of the things, you know, I think there are lots of people who really care about this subject on both sides of the, of the, um, of the um, topic. But I think that there are, you know, limited means or in the opinions of most limited means to get involved and, you know, not everyone can be on a committee. You know, we've tried to include as many people as possible. Um, but so one of the things that we are going to be doing is providing an online survey. Um, we're having it hosted through a third party to sort of take out some of that, um, the tainting that could happen if we housed it in-house so that somebody else is posting it, hosting it and pulling down the data and putting it into, um, you know, forms for us to, to work from. And that survey is going to be available to everyone and anyone, and it will be broken down standard by standard, grade level by grade level, content area by content area. Um, so, you know, if someone it wants to go through and look at every single standard and make recommendations, perhaps it's an expert who wasn't able to be involved in the process, they'll have that opportunity. Um, perhaps I'm a parent, maybe I have a third grade student and I'm really concerned about their language arts instruction. I might go through the third grade English language arts standards, standard by standard and give my input and there'll be an opportunity to say, do you agree with the standard? Do you disagree with the standard? And then to support either one with your um, reasoning. So I'm really excited about that because that really allows for everyone and anyone um, to be able to have a voice and to be heard and that to be documented, because it's not just listening, it's actually documented. Um, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, the, the other one is you're going to have some regional me right. meetings too, right? And I think that's really important because we know that, you know, here in New Jersey, um, our different regional areas have different concerns. So, you know, just like we know that every child learns differently, we know that sometimes our different re regions of the state have different um, strengths and different concerns. And so we will be having um, two different things happening regionally. One is we'll be having, having listening tours, and really that's those are just op open public sessions, and I like to call them listening tours because that will be our role. 
um, both the, from the department and also some of our committee members who come to those sessions to really just listen um, to what the public has to say. Uh, and then, you know, at those sessions, again, because we certainly don't want anything to be lost in translation, you know, we'll, we always ask at those public sessions anyone who's going to be sharing with us that they would also give us something in writing so we can bring that back and have it really concrete and not be lost in translation. Um, but prior to those, each of those listening tours meeting, we're going to be having focus groups um, made up of parents, business community members, and higher eds who can really dig into some deep conversations that are maybe cumbersome or hard to have when you've got hundreds of people in a room and lots of people needing time. Um, and so all of the details for both the dates, um, who's going to be involved, how to get involved, that will all be posted on our website. So uh, I'll be repeating again. The You have three different ways. Uh, one's the listening tour, which is fairly traditional. We've done that. And you, who's going to be on that? There'll be members of the Department of Ed and maybe and some of the standards committee members. The, the committee members, too. Okay. And the, the third, and this is a little different, is the focus group. That's more of a conversation with some people. Uh, at, in, in various positions. Correct, but but really keeping it to sort of you know the um, the community itself um, in those regions, being able to really bring some depth of the voices from you know as I said, parent groups, um, higher ed, and our business community. Uh, and then in the first one that you talked about is the survey that's online. Yeah, that's open for everyone. Okay. Um, I want to go back to one more. You know, I'm not going to go back, but actually, there's one other thing that uh, is probably brought up to you. And some of the questions that I have heard is, what happens with park as parks tied to the Common Core? Right. Uh, will we? Uh, and I know the governor said he's we're committed to park. Mm -hmm. So how does how do they two tie connect? Right. So it's a great question, sort of a multifaceted answer, because again, you know, not sitting in front of a, ball, a crystal ball with knowing the outcomes. Um, you know, I'll speak to sort of the different phases of what that could look like. Um, at, since we're not tearing down and starting from scratch, we don't expect major revisions. And so because we don't expect major revisions, we expect that the park assessment will still be fully aligned with our new standards. Um, if for some reason it is not, and let's jump to the opposite extreme, and there are major revisions that are made, um, just like we did with NJASC and moving to PARC, um, we took five years to create a new test and make sure that it was fully, fully assessing um, the breadth of the standards. And so during that five-year building time, um, we continued on with our New Jersey ASK and made adjustments to it um, to make sure that it was beginning to come in line with the standards more and more each year till um, the year of the 2013-14 school year when it was given for the last time and the NJS was fully aligned to the standards. To, and then now we moved to park because we were finally ready. So, you know, if we were to find ourselves in that circumstance, which we don't expect to be, but we would certainly be taking the careful time and thorough time that's needed to ensure that the assessment aligns. But, you know, moving forward at this point, we're anticipating that the assessment will not be a, will not be a problem. So uh, you're going to wait until you see what the standards are to see how what type of system you'll use for assessing them. Of course. There will be an assessment, though, Absolutely. of some sort, no matter what, no matter how we move forward Absolutely. on it. Absolutely. Uh, I, I just want to, because I know a lot of people who will ever listen to this do want to get involved. Uh, 
I just want to reiterate a couple things. One, if the, if they want to get involved, they go to their state association to be nominated for the Standards Review Committee. Correct. And then uh, it's just uh, an application process for the other subcommittees. Correct. Okay. Uh, and my understanding, and we said this in the very beginning, but we're going to just bring it back because we only have a couple minutes left. Um, this year, there probably will not be much change. No, this coming year, no change, there, this say. year, there's no change. This year, everyone should be moving ahead. And, you know, to take this back to, like, I know sometimes it's hard to imagine what does this look like. Um, you know, for example, last year, we were reviewing our social studies and history standards. And so through the course of that year, as we went through our review, schools were still moving ahead with the standards as is, their curriculum as is. Um, and then, you know, when we approved those new um, revised standards last summer, um, you know, schools began to just look in and make the, that there were minor changes and make those changes and continue to move forward. Um, and those changes are always made public. So same kind of thing for this where, you know, continue as is, using what you have, using the standards, um, you know, your materials, your curriculum. And then, you know, once the revisions have been made, there will certainly be a very generous timeline. It's something I'm committed to. I know how difficult it is having been both in the classroom and an administrator doing curriculum review. Um, making sure that there's time for the review, but not only time, resources. I know, you know, I personally see this as an opportunity to reclaim some of the moments that we might have lost in the Common Core um, rollout or lessons learned, perhaps, I should say, from the Common Core rollout, one of which being, you know, we were sort of short and behind schedule on resources. So, you know, while I give the advice to the field that you should be moving forward with your standards and your curriculum programs as is, we're doing that same thing at the Department of Education. So we're moving forward, preparing resources and support materials um, based on our current standards, but then that we'll have ready to go to just make the adjustments to and be able to move out with the new standards to help um, educators with that realignment process. Um, and if someone wants to get more information, they should just go to the Department of Education, because that's that's something that you're going to be evolving too. Yes, and so the department they should just go to the department website. Um, but we are hopefully within the next few days um, opening a separate, a very there will be a button prominently displayed on our homepage for this standards review process, which will take you to a page which makes it easy to find the information. And one of the things I committed to to the state board was to come monthly with updates. So I will not only be making those updates to the state board regularly, but updating that website. So the forms will be found there, you know, results from the survey, the survey, the link to get to the survey, all kinds of things will be found um, at that on that particular page connected to the review process to really ensure that we're sharing this process um, with anyone who's interested. Yeah, you jumped my question. Sorry. Say, <laughs> I, I, did, I did hear that you were going to go monthly reports, uh, and I'll... And your final report will be at the first January meeting Correct. of the state board, Correct. and then pretty much at that point you're handing off to the state board for their review. And that and Correct, and and I'll certainly stay involved and support. Um, we have a tremendous state board, and um, I know they work really hard to, you know, listen to all voices and represent that. And so, however they need me to stay involved, I will be involved with that process. And my recommendation for anyone listening, anyone in education or in the community is to uh, get your voice heard a little bit early because this is a pretty fast process. I mean, you're moving in August, uh, September, October will be very busy. So if you want to get involved, you 
pretty much have to start pretty now, not wait. Right. If you want to be involved in the committees, you've got to, you know, be involved now in getting that, making sure that you're either you contact your association for a nomination or um, get your application in. And then looking in very early September, be looking for that survey to go up. And um, But be looking in August for the posting date for the survey and for the dates of the listening tours and ways to get involved in a focus group. Okay. Uh, let's bring us to the close of this program. Kimberly, I'd like to thank you for uh, joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Ray. It's always a pleasure working with school boards. Okay, and that brings us to the end of this program. I hope you enjoyed it and found it informative.